Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. This is Nate Baranowski. And we are starting a three-movie journey through The Lord of the Rings. And this week, we review the first one, The Lord of the Rings, colon, The Fellowship of the Ring, 2001. I'm frantically Googling how to say I love you in Elvish, and that's what this movie has done to me. We talk about the scenery in New Zealand and special effects and how they aged. Nimelatia, Mott's listener. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's the last we speak of Elvish for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Actually, yeah, you're right. We never speak of it during the episode. That's right. We talk about Romance Corner between Aragorn and Arwen. And we talk about all the memorable quotes and the memes. Head with us to Middle-earth on the first of a three-part Lord of the Rings extravaganza Mm. on Movies on the Side. Nate, we are starting an adventure on a three-movie streak. We're going to cover... The original Lord of the Rings trilogy, not The Hobbit. We're not doing a six-movie streak. We're doing a three-movie streak. No. We'll get back to that later, maybe. That's another thing. But The Lord of the Rings, colon, The Fellowship of the Rings. I feel like this title has the most does of any movie. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah, I honestly want to know, how many rings is it a fellowship of? Is it just the one ring? Is it Fellowship of the Ring? You're right. How many rings? It's The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. So one ring, because it's the one ring they're trying to return. Anyway. Special presentation by Peter Jackson. Nate, this movie is is almost three hours, but we we can't spend three hours talking about it. I think I probably could, Stephen. I probably could, too. I probably could. (laughs) I probably could. But, Nate, I want to go to our experience of Lord of the Rings. Originally, the original experience, because obviously we have rewatched it to have it fresh in our mind for these podcasts. I have rewatched it the way Peter Jackson intended, (laughs) which is in 15 (laughs) separate chunks for five to 15 minutes at a time on my phone with my phone speaker and sometimes on my iPad laying in bed with subtitles on. Just the way Peter Jackson would have had me view it i mean subtitles i'm not against that i would do that even on the tv i learned a lot from the subtitles this time around i'll be honest there's a lot of stuff in there did you see this originally in theaters i believe i did see it in theaters but if this is wrong i don't want to be right (laughs) no it's not wrong it's right the movie came out in theaters it was an absolute hit yes i didn't go see it right away Mm -hmm. but i think i knew enough people who had seen it and loved it and went and saw it several times that I was able to convince my parents. I believe I was 13, going to turn 14 soon, and I wasn't on the going to see PG-13 movies in theaters back then. It was one of those, like, you're 13 now, but we got to know if this movie's kind of on the borderline. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I did convince my parents to go see it. And I remember seeing this in theaters and thus saw every other absolutely lord of the rings in theaters maybe on opening day after this right one. but this one i it took me maybe a couple months to get to the theaters to see it what about you same for me i think it took me a few weeks now i did not read the books before seeing these movies how is that the same for you absolutely i had no 
context for this at all except i knew about the hobbit book yes and there was some animated hobbit yes. like show or tv movie yes that i had seen little bits of but i often got it confused with narnia <laughs> so it was overall just kind of it was all tolkien and right to me i want so i need to do at least one humble brag which is when i was in england i went to the eagle and child pub where J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of these books, and C.S. Lewis would meet together and discuss their manuscripts. And that was pretty cool. That is very cool. Good brag. What was your experience in theaters? I read The Hobbit, the the book, in sixth grade. Okay. And so I had that in the back of my mind. That was the only context. Did not read any of these books. And I remember going to this movie. I know it's, it's long. It was a great experience. I can't really put my finger on much of the experience watching it, but I do know... I remember the feeling when we get to the end of the movie. Yes. And listen, yes. no no spoiler horn, people. This is a 20-year-old trilogy, so no spoilers. No spoiler horn. We're just going to talk about the movies. Yeah, a lot of spoilers. When when the credits roll at the end of Fellowship of the Ring. Never been angrier. I remember, I remember feeling furious. Furious. Because I, I did not know it was a trilogy. Yes. A. Yes. And I did not know it was going to end so abruptly, B. <laughs> and I was mad. I was very angry. So yes. of, of all the parts of the experience watching this in theaters, that is the one thing I remember. Yes. I remember absolutely loving it in theaters. And the three hours passed like nothing when watching it for the first time. Correct. When they get on that boat and they start heading off, and I'm like, it <laughs> can't believe I'm going to compare it to the Three Musketeers movie <laughs> we watched recently. <laughs> Do not. But Stephen... I had the thought, I'm so ready for this adventure. Like, it's about to get big time. (laughs) And when those credits, and even this time, there was an echo of that same anger because it brought me back to being 13 and going, what is this? Yeah, I don't think we were used to having movies be designed as a trilogy right up till then they all had their own story maybe they had a cliffhanger up you know up until this point but it was always like it was its own thing and maybe the bad guy would be like i'll get you next time gadget (laughs) you know what i think though this ending to the fellowship of the ring prepared a generation for infinity war oh absolutely when when a movie would end and it would not be a satisfying ending we, I think we were all ready. It prepared us for almost everything. I mean, Hunger Games, Divergent, for like any... COVID. For, mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, the patience we would need, <laughs> throw COVID into Mount Doom. But the feeling of wandering in the wilderness alone, it prepared us. So, Stephen, I remember thinking and not knowing that it was a trilogy. Right. And going, I have to wait an entire year right. to see what happens next in this story. Right. For all you out there especially the younger crowd who has not seen Lord of the Rings, you better be so grateful (laughs) that when you watch this movie, you can queue up two towers right then or the next night. That's exactly what I did, Nate. I literally ran one right into the other, and I'm halfway through two towers right now. Wow. (laughs) Because I just had to do it. All right. These movies are directed by Peter Jackson, and he was not, like, this is kind of his first big deal. Right? Like, he did right. not direct, you know, super popular movies before this. So, there's just so much, like, behind the scenes and the way they do Hobbits. Like, the Peter Jackson camera angle, which is, like, a thing. And, like, it's a vernacular among some people because, you know, he had to film a certain way to make them look like Hobbits. Like, there's just so much there. I don't even know 
if we have time to do all that, Nate, we need to talk about the movie. We do. Uh, I'll just say these three movies were filmed back to back to back. Right. It cost about $300 million to make all of them. Worth it. It was like 276 days of filming, about, like total days of filming. But for all three. People got injured. Viggo Mortensen broke a toe. (laughs) Uh, they got you know the fellowship of the ring got tattoos of like nine in elvish wait like in real life in real life the actors got tattoos oh that's amazing that's amazing peter jackson got a tattoo that says 10 in elvish it was all i saw recently this last year the original cast did a zoom reunion to celebrate the 20 years um and that was incredible to watch this i cannot emphasize enough how much of a worldwide phenomenon yeah. Lord of the Rings was in the early 2000s. Absolutely. I, one of the things I was going to say is casting, as you were mentioned, just all the actors doing a reunion, I put casting is, this is my note, 10,000%. <laughs> like, it's it's so amazing how the casting worked and the portrayal of these characters by those actors and actresses, like... The movie, like when you when you watch it, even rewatching it, you're like, this is an adventure. You know, there's lots of movies that portend to be an adventure or send a character on an adventure, but this is like one of the few experiences where it feels like I'm experiencing an adventure as I watch these movies. Right, exactly. I just have to throw in a trivia nugget right here. Yes, I learned last night while staying up far too late looking at the behind-the-scenes things on Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring, yes. that Viggo Mortensen, who plays Aragorn, was brought in four days into shooting. What? Because they had Stuart Townsend. He was, if you remember, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. He was Dorian Gray. He played Dorian Gray in that movie nope. in 2003. So Good call. They had originally <laughs> cast him, and they said, uh, he's too young. You know, we need an yeah. older actor for this. I totally agree. So they brought Vigo in, and my, that was a great casting call. I <laughs> yes, have it was. one thing to say here in casting, because I'm with you. I think it is almost flawless of a casting, you know, decisions across the board. I do have to say, I need to talk about Frodo and Elijah Wood right here. I sometimes love it and sometimes hate it. I am so hot and cold on Elijah Wood's portrayal of Frodo because sometimes the eyes are like the perfect amount of buggy Mm. (laughs) and the perfect amount of fear and terror and get off the road. Yeah. And then sometimes his expression and Gandalf (laughs) takes me out of it. I need to know your Frodo Frodo thoughts. So as this movie begins... And this may be a good segue into the actual movie. Frodo in the Shire, I feel like he does good there. Mm -hmm. You know, his first interaction with Gandalf and all the scenes in the Hobbit house and his interactions with Samwise, Gamgee, Mm -hmm. I feel like those are all good. I, I do think you are right. You know, after Gandalf falls, we'll talk about that scene later, then they do like this like slow motion. They're all like... Uh, they're outside and they're all kind of like holding each other and crying Mm -hmm. moments like that. I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. You didn't earn that. And your face. Yeah. Your face is not, 
<laughs> I don't know. So I'm with you. Like in those like heightened emotional moments that he's trying to communicate, I do feel like it's a little weird. I think at Frodo's most, like when he's standing on the river bend and he's unsure whether to go alone or he wants to give the ring away, I believe him. I believe him 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. times when he gets stabbed with the spear i was just about to say that (laughs) the ring wraith sword the nazgul sword yeah or like it's these heightened moments which we're only going to get to more and more in return of the king especially there is a disconnect when i look at his face and i don't know it pulls me out of it now i will say based on my memory of return of the king which we will be doing two weeks from now Mm -hmm. the scenes where he like talks to samwise gamgee and like a paternal like you know you're failing me kind of way uh-huh. I, I believe him and don't like him in those moments sure and so from my memory i feel like those were good acting moments but we'll have to see when we actually rewatch it right I'm not sure it's a different flavor watching this now than when i was 13 it, it is i really feel like i saw it through adult eyes this time which is both good and bad Yes. The opening montage where we get the background of Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. for some reason, watching it now was the first time I ever really had a desire to maybe read these books because I just thought, I thought to myself, there must be so much world building yep. in those books. Like everything from Gandalf battling the Balrog to, you know, things in the Shire. Like there, I know for a fact there's like so much world building. And I was like, I would almost want to know a little bit more about this story, but I'm not, I'm probably never going to do that. But I just want to say Kate Blanchett's voiceover during that whole intro thing is great. Mm, great voiceover. Good choice. Yep. Then the whole Shire scenes, I feel like we could literally quote from these scenes for half an hour because <laughs> there is so many good quotes from these interactions. I love everything about it. From Bilbo Baggins saying, butter spread over too much bread. Yes. That he feels thin. I feel... Thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread. Gandalf, which I still say to this day sometimes to people, keep it secret, keep it safe. Yes. You know, telling Frodo about the ring, like all these quotes are just beautiful and it's a joy to hear them again. A wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. That Shire is so rich. That scene, that whole set was built a year in advance of filming so that it could look lived in and they could plant actual vegetables and oh had goats God. trim the grass, you know, to keep it somewhat shorter. Like, oh my it word. is absolutely delightful. Just those circular doors, which I know weren't original to the movie, but it feels so lived in. If there was ever a set that you'd be like, I want to go experience it it would be hobbiton yes in the shire and this was all filmed in new zealand if you didn't know listener and i hope to go to new zealand one day and see this stuff because it looks amazing scenery is incredible it yeah it was quite cool i need to talk about just scenery while we're kind of there yes we're going to talk a little bit later about special effects yes but i have to (laughs) say from just a scenic aerial shot mountain vista different worlds and forests it has to be one of the best settings ever in a movie. There are real planes. There are certain things that CG can't give you. 
Right. And I think the actual, actually seeing people run down a mountainside. Yes, yes. And you can tell the scenes where it's real and where it's not. For example, oh, yeah. they're on that mountain edge and there's like snow falling down. You're like, okay, this is yeah, yeah. a nice miniature. <laughs> right. And Rivendell is like a beautiful, like matte painting with CG stuff. Yeah. That has its own type of beauty to it. Right. But you can't quite get the grandeur with even really great CG effects right. of what has to be a helicopter shot yeah. of some tiny, tiny people running <laughs> through some craggy right. rocks. Not CG people, real people. That, yeah, there's plenty of that too. <laughs> but that is a really epic feeling. What do you think about the setting of New Zealand, and what do you think that has done for the tourism of New Zealand? Oh, amazing. I mean, the scenery is amazing. New Zealand looks amazing. Again, I think everyone who sees these movies are like, I need to visit this place. Do you know that New Zealand hired a minister in order to capitalize from Lord of the Rings tourism? Like, that's his job or her job. Wait, like a religious minister? No, like, you know, like down under, it's the minister of defense, minister of... Oh, oh, like a secretary of, of something. Yeah, yeah. Secretary of tourism yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. I think that's what makes it feel like a genuine adventure. You know, the first time I really had that thought was once... Frodo and Samwise, they're all traveling, and they get to the inn at the Prancing Pony, mm -hmm. and it's like, I feel like we are on that adventure. That kind of a feeling you get in playing video games back in the day when it was like, yep. you're at this location now. and Hello, stranger. <laughs> Hello, weary traveler. Come in. And so I think all those scenic elements and the differences between locations, I think really helps the story feel like big. It feels like a world Absolutely. because there's just so many distinct scenes. I will say, before we leave the Shire, one of the moments that, that really sticks with me, two things, is when Gandalf is talking to Bilbo and telling him he needs to give him the ring. Mm -hmm. And Gandalf like looks like he grows and the room gets dark. And he says, Bilbo Baggins. Yes. <laughs> that, that little moment, I don't know why it sticks with me. It's so impressionable. And then when Bilbo is about to leave the door and Gandalf says... The ring is still in your pocket. That's very good. And there's the scene when the ring is on Bilbo's hand and you see it's super close up and Bilbo like turns his hand sideways until the ring just slides off. And when it hits the floor, there's it doesn't bounce. It doesn't bounce. And there's like this thud uh, sound effect when it happens. And it's like, it is such a, uh, such a weighty moment. The ring is a character. Right. Like, the ring has sound and feel. Has a voice. It literally has a voice. Like, yeah, in the IMDb, in the IMDb there's literally uh, the voice of the ring is Alan Howard. Yep. <laughs> so, and it's just like, it's so cool how they made that a character and its own thing. Like, it, it literally has a mind of its own, which the movie tells us. It, it kind of tells us, like, the ring wants to get back to its master. The ring will make you do things. Yep. And I think they communicate that so well, and it feels real like oh this ring has like motivation and desire and you feel that absolutely anyway that's the ring now we go to the nazgul right oh uh, yes the, the shire <laughs> you know i i sometimes think at what age will i be able to show my kids these movies and then i see the nazgul and the orcs and i'm like oh right never <laughs> i forgot <laughs> well here's the thing on this pass through as an adult this movie's got some dark slash gruesome elements to it i mean oh yeah oh yeah for whatever reason 
it didn't like haunt my dreams when I was 13, but <laughs> I mean, orcs are getting dismembered. The Urukai right. big boss gets his head chopped off. <laughs> like there are like there's a big fiery demon guy. There is cave troll, yeah. Really intense like the Nazgûl, like it's got some elements to it yeah which you know I'm, saying? I'm sure is accurate to the books and sure. for peter jackson and the movie's credit like when frodo puts on the ring and sees the nazgul like for what they actually are like one of the coolest right. visuals which also makes them even more terrifying if i were to to guess back in early 2000s pg-13 was still the money maker yeah like it was still the popular go to theaters right i would be interested in if you were to push this to 2021 as a movie, I think this could easily be rated R. I mean, I'm not saying like that the movie itself as is would be R. I'm just saying okay. a little boost, a little push, a little bit more violence. And I I don't know. I think this could be... I mean, it definitely has the content that you could pump up the adult content a little more. See, I almost wonder if they would... Because you look at the Avengers and Marvel Universe, mm-hmm. DC as well. Like They try to stick to that PG-13 rating to gear towards... Right. try to get the families. Yeah, I almost wonder if they would lessen some of the dismemberment oh, to try go the and, other way a little more. Yeah, appeal to a slightly younger audience. Well... Yes, I know. I'm I'm probably, if they redid it, you're right. They would probably do a little bit more of the Avengers treatment. I think you will find that every Lord of the Rings IP going forward is going to be for our age. People like us who grew up with right. it. Right. And I right. think we're going to find, I think, isn't the new show going to be like a mature uh, rated it might be. Lord of the Rings I thing? think so, yeah. Like an Amazon Prime thing, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's where it's sort of headed. But I understand it's got some dark stuff in it. It does. Now, when they're in that pub, the end of the Prancing Pony, and we enter mm-hmm. Aragorn, Strider, as they call it. Strider. Such a cool name. I mean, Vito Morganson, like, in the corner with that hood, so epic. I mean, it's so yes. cool. So cool. But I love that pub scene, too, for when Frodo falls on his back and the ring, like, flies out of the pocket. Uh-huh. And there's this shot of the ring, like, basically finding its way onto Frodo's kind finger. wiggling its way on, yep. I love just those little touches, again, speaking to the personality of the ring like you see that but really cool and then when the ring wraiths finally get to that town and stand over the beds uh-huh. <laughs> talk about gruesome and troubling scenes and they like stab the beds raise their swords <laughs> yes exactly and then we find out they're not actually there like that is a, that's a little scary yep exactly they eventually get they eventually get to rivendell a lot of green screen a lot of special effects we're probably only an hour in right when oh, we get yeah, to probably, rivendell probably are yeah i want to ask you this so romance corner aragorn and arwen Played by Liv Tyler. How do you feel about the few scenes we get of their romance? Um, I mean, to 13-year-old Nate? Oh, yeah. It is romance personified. It was like, oh, this is... Because <laughs> it's Liv Tyler? Number one, I was in love with Liv Tyler, for sure, for sure. Well, you had Armageddon, too, so... I never watched Armageddon, and you know that... Do not bring Armageddon up in our Lord of the Rings episode. I told <laughs> sorry. you... <laughs> so sorry. I told you once. Sorry. I told you a hundred times. Sorry, sorry. Vigo and Liv in the scene where they're standing on the bridge it is almost been like fuzzed out in the most peter jackson's like i'm going to scoop romance at the viewers like gumbo <laughs> and it is so over the top and i still don't mind it oh no when she says something to the effect of like you cannot give me this it is mine to give to whom i will Like my heart. 
please, live, Tyler. I will marry you right now. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> me. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a quick question about that scene, though, before I want to hear your romance corner thoughts. Sure. Is the thing, the little amulet thing she gives Aragorn, is that literally her like immortality, like free pass to the afterlife? Or is that just like a symbol of her? Because he's like, you can't give this to me. I didn't know what that meant. I figured it was in the books. It's probably in the books. I don't know exactly. I doubt it's actual immortality, but that's just me. Okay. But no, I love that scene. And even though we only get like a few lines of them together, I believe every second of it. It's an excellent romance yeah. corner. It's a hard turn from the rest of the movie, though. Like For sure. It really, it, in some ways, it's a bit shoehorned in of like, oh, oh, you guys are doing like a lovey-dovey talk on the, the bridge, and we just <laughs> saw like an orc get like shot through the nose out the back of his head. But <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, but that's all right. I'll take it. Now, the Fellowship of the Ring comes together. Yep. They have the Council of Elrond. Agent Smith is there. Yes. What's his name? His name. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving, which again, casting wise, like, of course, he's like the father elf. He's great. That just makes sense. Yeah. I love this scene. I love the introduction of the characters. And then we see the nine, you know, and I also love the moment when they all start arguing. And you see the reflections in the ring. They see the reflections in the ring and Frodo actually steps up and says, I'll take it. Like, I love all of that. I have to say, when the nine come together, Mm -hmm. I would like to know your... Mm-hmm. leaning towards who's your favorite character of these nine. Oh, this is great because I actually have a question for you, which I think goes into it. Okay. But first I'll answer my my favorite. Yes. It has to be Gandalf, I think, as number one. I Someone who holds up in this movie after 20 years, Ian McKellen sure. as Gandalf yeah. might be one of the greatest movie characters yes. ever. He is so good in this role. Ian McKellen disappears and Gandalf comes out and he is like the kind of mentor-like wizard everyone would want on their journey. Yes. I'd say he's my favorite, followed by Aragorn, followed by Legolas. I could do without Merry and Pippin for most of these movies. Yeah. You know, Samwise is up there as well for me, followed by Gimli, and then followed by Frodo, and then probably Pippin, and then Merry. <laughs> Okay, I didn't realize you're gonna rank all nine. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know either. But then it came. It came just out. came out. First of all, it's amazing to me that an actor, Ian McKellen, can play a wizard and a mutant, mm. namely Magneto, and be so good at both. So good. It's just incredible. Both have powers, but both are very, very different. Very, very different. Uh, yeah, obviously Gandalf is the favorite, but I have to tell you. Gimli, son of Gloin. Mm. I don't know if Gimli is my spirit animal. I don't know if Gimli, (laughs) if I just identify with him. But something about Gimli throughout these movies, like his mixture of like hot-headedness and like, let's just destroy it. You know, he jumps up and tries to axe the ring and it breaks. And then like his relationship with Legolas. Oh, so good. And some of like, and then I, I literally have never caught it until this viewing but when they are in the mines and they are trying to jump off that staircase mm-hmm. to the other staircase and Gimli says, no one tosses a dwarf. And then remembering the scene from the two towers yes. during Helm's Deep when he tells Legolas he's going to have to toss me. I don't know. I just I love that this long built relationship between the two of them. And I just really like Gimli. I don't know. In the mines of Moria... He stands up on that like little tombstone thing yes. right before the, <laughs> yeah. the cave oh, troll. We'll, comes we'll get in. to that scene in a second because we yeah, have to yeah. talk more about it. But yeah, uh, my question for you is this: If you had to pick one 
to go on the journey to Mount Doom with you. And maybe Gandalf is unfair because he's a wizard, but like, right, right. Who would you pick to have with you as the one traveling companion out of the whole fellowship? I mean, honestly, probably Legolas because he could kill people that are far away because he's amazing at bow and arrow. He seems to never miss. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's, he's an elf. I feel like that's an advantage. So for sheer protection purposes, I would go with Legolas. I think I would probably go Aragorn. Yeah, that was my that was my second choice. Yeah, he feels like Aragorn's got that like got that Strider. Um. <laughs> well, when Aragorn like jump when we, in the next scene, like there's certain moments where Aragorn does things that are like extremely brave and courageous, yes. and it's like oh, to protect yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like that's pretty good. Oh, but also in the before we leave the council, I don't even know if most young people know where this meme comes from. But the one does not simply meme. Yes. This is where Boromir says it at the council. Yep. He says, one does not simply walk into Mordor. And I have to say, of all the longstanding memes, this is one of my favorite. Sean Bean, again, perfect casting. <laughs> perfect. One does not simply walk into Mordor. Okay, so they go to the mine. And, they, you know, they try to adventure other ways. We have the birds and we have the, the snow mountain and all that. And that's cool. Can we talk real quick about Christopher Lee of Saruman? That, oh yeah, it's sort oh, of shoehorned in here somewhere. It's before the council, but we can just talk about it briefly. Yes, Christopher Lee as, as Saruman with his voice. Yes, <laughs> and there him like Gandalf realizing that he's turned and he's yes. bad now. Yes, it's all quite good. It's very good. The nine have left Minas Morgul. The nine they crossed the river Isen on Midsummer's Eve. Disguised as riders in black. Except for one moment in that scene where it does look like two old men are pointing their wands at each other and <laughs> flipping each other over. And there is something about seeing two older gentlemen like flipping over and their beards smashing into the ground that's like, yeah. this is sort of mean, a mean geriatric fight scene. I don't oh, like no. That fight scene, though. It's kind of fun to see, too. It is. To like, like, you know, it's two wizards going at it. Yep. And you feel bad for Gandalf. It's like, oh, man, he's the gray. He's not strong enough. Right. And the same thing on the mountain, because, like, you know, Saruman's trying to make the mountain come down, and Gandalf starts trying to talk back to him, but can't stop it. Like, pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yep. All right. The Mines of Moria. We enter the Gollum character at this point. You know, he's entered before, like, we see kind of like a torture scene of him, uh, vaguely, but... He really comes into two towers to play there. And so I feel like we should save Gollum for that movie. At least the discussion of him. But the Mines of Moria. This is like the first real action-y scene we get, per se. Like, we get the ring wraiths on that little, like, plateau and they fight there. But, like, we get, like, a big fight scene here. Yep. Underground with all the goblins and stuff. <laughs> Fool of a took. <laughs> you know, Peregrine took. Yeah. You know, if he wasn't on the trip, they would have been fine. But he made that skeleton fall down the, the well or whatever. Next time, throw yourself down there and save us. <laughs> yourself down the well. Save us your stupidity. Fool of a took. Throw yourself in next time and rid us of your stupidity. When they're reading the book that whatever dwarves were writing as they were being attacked or whatever. and Drums. The drums in the deep. In the deep. We, we can't get, get out. out. They are coming. That is so ominous. <laughs> it's great. That scene is probably perfectly put together to be suspenseful. Yes. It has 
you know, earlier they have like, this isn't a, whatever, this isn't a keep, this is a tomb. They discover that everyone's been killed. They go into this room and have like kind of an emotional Gimli's, you know, heartbroken. Right. And then Gandalf takes this book, starts reading it, and the music kind of swells to this point. And like, as when Gandalf looks up and says, they are coming, and you're on like the absolute like edge of your seat. They then disrupt the tension and Pippin knocks the suit of armor down the well. Yeah. So you have a quick moment of like humor. So it breaks everyone's tension, kind of resets you. And then they're all like waiting and listening. And then the tension builds in the absolute silence. Yes. Until all of a sudden you hear some of the drums that he was just talking about in the book. And then the tension, like, it's like one of those roller coasters where that first drop is, it's not the big one, <laughs> but you're like, what? And then, then you're climbing to that next one. Yeah. It is a great scene. And then you don't see anyone right away. And they bar the doors. And are like Legolas shooting some arrows through the gaps. Yes. Yes. So good. And Gimli like <laughs> getting ready to like, I will like basically like bring him on. Yes. It's so good. That is the, the lead up to that fight scene is one of the best like scenes of suspense building to action yes where often it's like all right get to the action scene i think the best part of this action scene is actually the right before now we get to special effects yep i feel like two things really hold up i feel like the cave troll is pretty good he's he's good some of the time yes <laughs> there's something about the the face the face is a little the weird. face gets a little a little something yeah a little little yeah. lighting issues there yeah now i think a lot of the orcs and goblins and stuff like there's like practical makeup and stuff yeah practical makeup and stuff like which is again top notch i think makeup you know got yeah an academy award some of those close-ups are really creepy, too. Like, when you see some of those goblins up close. When I was in eighth grade, mm -hmm. a teacher of ours had a sister who worked in the makeup department for Lord of the Rings. What? Who came in and visited our class. Was she dressed as a goblin? And talked about, like, putting the hobbit feet on and, and doing orcs <laughs> and stuff. It was so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Then, the Balrog. Mm -hmm. I feel like of all villains mm -hmm. across many, many movies... Mm -hmm. The Balrog is one of the coolest. The Balrog. For the amount of screen time it gets in this movie, right. it really has an impactful part of it. Also, can we all just be very thankful that Balrog did not talk? Because <laughs> you know there was a, a version of it being like, Hello. No, that'd be terrible. Dr. Balrog. <laughs> That would be horrible. That would be terrible. The the Balrog, like, and they made good choices by making it basically black with flames. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. the character. This time around, I focused more on, like, the body of the Balrog. Yeah. Not super impressive or, like, great graphic, but they hide a lot of it in darkness and smoke. Yeah. And then you got the fire. Yeah. So it's really all about the face. It's about the face and about that whip. I mean, that the whip is, cool. is, is really cool. The one moment that I really was like, Bleh not great is when they're on that staircase yep. and most of it breaks away yep. and then Aragorn and Frodo have to like lean forward and we have this shot of them like Whoa. going <laughs> like going forward to jump and I'm like that special effect didn't age well like that's a weird green screen effect and not good okay so 
just kind of broader special effects, let's cover it all right now. Because I think anything that's practical is great. Great. The forced perspective for the Hobbit stuff is genius. Yes. The makeup is awesome. The actual mountain stuff, all very good. And there are like things that are matte paintings that then get visual effects on top of them, still like luscious right. in their like overall look. You know, they don't look like super necessarily real, but they hold up as like this is beautiful and whimsical. There are some human animation. Uh, especially when there is running of not of orcs because like i understand they did like the the new computer program was able to crunch the data of like a thousand orcs running which they look computer generated but like all right they're orcs so i can't really compare them to real people when i think the parts where the special effects don't hold up is either you can tell that people were superimposed in because they were standing like walking next to each other and the hobbits don't quite match with the full-size humans. Right. And the parts where they have computer-generated main characters running through the mines of Moria, like over the bridge, they have like a top view, which is really cool yeah. camera angle. But it's like, oh, okay, these look like video game characters. It's sort of that Matrix Reloaded problem. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. All goes to show the special effects looked great at the time. And I'm not saying that movies have to think about 20 years from now if it will still look good but i think practical effects whenever you can yes because what you think is acceptable in 2001 for an animated somebody right looks good to you now i used to think nintendo 64 was the greatest you know polygon oh this is real 3d life (laughs) but like that's just how it works with special effects now the you shall not pass scene i mean it's iconic it's epic. I still love watching it. It's still very good. Every time I watch it, I think, step away from the edge when the I know, every falls time. so you don't get dragged in. Every time. Yes. Run, you <laughs> fool. It's, it's just so good. That's not a great line to leave people with, though, calling people fools. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's hanging from a ledge. You got to give him some leeway. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't go up with a great line all the time, but I, it's just an amazing scene. Yeah, I just, it's so good. And at the end of this movie, I thought, well, Gandalf's dead. Right. He's gone. Right. I didn't read the books. I didn't know anything about it. Just like you assumed, oh, yeah. you'll never see that character again, who was my favorite character. Yeah. That's tough. But anyway, it's a great scene. So then we go to Galadriel and all the forest stuff terrifying scene of galadriel like with a weird voice <laughs> now you're using the accent on the drill i always use it on the second a now this is something where Delight. everyone who listens to this episode tweet at steven the correct pronunciation <laughs> uh because that's what twitter is for galadriel i, I know i always say galadriel but uh, that sounds wrong. that sounds more elfish galadriel she's an elf right kind of an she elf? is an elf yes. yeah 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 Galadriel, sure. Or like some sort of sorceress elf person. What do you think about that scene, though, when she like goes crazy? I think those effects are a little rough for me. It's kind of an airbrushed, <laughs> like an Instagram, yeah. uh, a Snapchat filter, like gone very badly. Right. <laughs> that one yeah. gets a little comically, you know, kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Yeah. It's weird. Again, another reason why my kids can't see this anytime soon, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Also, yeah. Also terrifying. I really wish... 
there are certain moments in this movie that I wish there had been a slightly different choice. Mm. Because her getting big and like glowy, glowy, as for her being tempted by the ring, I wish that would have been done sort of differently. Because there is some really unnerving parts of her kind of speaking directly into Frodo's head while she's looking at somebody else. And her eyes in general as she like pans between people. Crazy. Is really like great and kind of unsettling in and of itself. I don't think they (laughs) needed to do the big transformation to show her like, I want to be beautiful and feared and loved and (laughs) I'm boss. Yeah, I agree. She didn't need to turn into a mini Balrog to say those things. Yeah. All right. And then we get to the final foresty scenes Mm -hmm. and the the fight scenes with Urukai. But the one, you know, the big conflict is Boromir. He tries to get the ring. Good scene. And it is a good scene. It is kind of a sad scene. And you you see that he comes to terms with the idea that he failed. Yep. He couldn't resist the ring. Right. And then we see Aragorn is able to. You know, he's able to let Frodo yeah. keep it. And it's just a cool juxtaposition. And I don't know. It, it shows a human element throughout this movie. You ready for a hot take here, Stephen? Oh, yeah. Let's do the hot take. Yeah. I think this movie is not very good for the last 30 minutes of it. I think the way that it's cut between here and two towers, it's it's not just that it ends that makes me angry. It's sort of, I think, the Mines of Moria. I think the Balrog. It's pronounced Balrog. I think in general, those are really, really, really cool scenes. And the Urukai guy is great and everything, but there's something about this forest scene that doesn't feel like it should be like my end of movie climax. What was difficult is the next two movies end with these massive battle scenes. Helm's Deep, Minas Tirith, like all, yes, Mordor, it's all. Yeah, the climax was the Balrog scene. And the forest scene, like while it's an interesting fight scene, and I think there's some nice moments, like it's a weird, there was too much after the climax, meaning the Balrog and you shall not pass. And it kind of like... You're looking for the end, and it, it doesn't give it to you for a long time. And then it's an unsatisfying end. It kind of sizzles out there. Yeah, and I also, I'm still unsure about why the Fellowship of the Ring split apart. Because Frodo decides to leave. Sam runs out there into the water and almost drowns in another sort of weird moment. I thought that was really heartwarming, though. Sam floating underneath the water, looking up like, man, I just accidentally drowned myself. Listen, when when Frodo says, I'm going alone, and Samwise like, of course you are, and I'm going with you. I mean, come on. I'm going to Mordor alone. Of course you are. And I'm coming with you. Oh, you know, that's all, it's all very good until he's floating underwater, going like... <laughs> I got you. Oh, beans. I'm drowning. <laughs> oh, beans. Yeah, I get that part. But why did the Fellowship break up? Because Frodo's like, I have to go it alone. And he thinks like, okay, well, this whole group is crumbling apart. But it really seemed like it was just Boromir. Aragorn like passed the test and let him keep it. I've never seen anything Gimli or Legolas related to like them desiring the ring. Yeah. Why did they break up there? I don't know if... I mean, there's the part where Aragorn faces all the orcs and he tells Frodo to go. I don't know if it's like we have to hold them here so Frodo can get away. Oh. Or if it's a... You know, I, I feel like what the movie's trying to tell you is Frodo, he's going to constantly worry about someone trying to get the ring and right. he feels like he, he thinks just, everyone will fail around him. Everyone will eventually become Boromir. Right, and he doesn't want to live in that fear, so he just has to 
do it by himself. Something like that. Got it. But I still like the Samwise moment when he's walking out to the boat. Yeah. And Boromir kind of redeems himself. And one of the craziest scenes when that like big Urukai, whatever they whatever you call that, uh-huh. that massive bow and arrow that he yeah. uses Some to skewer big old arrows <laughs> like, in there. Like of all the interesting things, like that weapon and yep. how they show it. Like and the like, how big that arrow is, and how fast it's moving. The effect Thunk. on Boromir, like his body. Oh yeah, the sound, pretty wild. I never thought to myself, what would it feel like to get shot several times with an arrow in the chest? But it really does bring you to grips of man. That's a bad. That's a rough go. Like. <laughs> I never thought about getting <laughs> shot by an arrow. It doesn't usually happen in our modern times, but right. I've definitely contemplated that seems really painful. Yeah, I feel like if you got shot in the stomach, that would be the worst. You know what I mean? In general, I think he was... Slow motion was used a lot in this movie. And I know that you often talk about slow motion being when it's when there are not enough frames. Yeah, Apparently I they don't... didn't care back in 2001. Apparently but... not. They did not care at all. <laughs> right it's just herky jerky they didn't even try to blur it or smooth it out it was just like there's a lot of herky yeah i I think of you every time i see slow motion that gets herky jerky of you being there like oh you're missing a few frames (laughs) (laughs) just you did 40 something frames for the hobbit just use some more frames here anyway just throw them in i think the slow motion of boromir getting absolutely plugged yeah with arrows gets a little much for me i think it's cool when he goes to defend mary and pippin because they have kind of a connection i think i found that right. sweet and endearing yeah but that was a little bit unearned considering i just saw boromir like almost kill frodo i don't know if i needed like to really feel his death in such a strong strong way yeah but then he also has that moment with aragorn where he tells him like i failed and Aragorn tries to comfort him, you know. I mean, that's good after he's been shot a lot. Yeah. But <laughs> it is a long scene of... It is. And I remember an original internet meme back in the day was him getting shot by an arrow. And they did like the OC treatment where the emojin heap... Mm, what you say? <laughs> mm, that you only meant. Whenever he gets shot with a new arrow, uh. the song restarts there. Do you ever want to go and... <laughs> Apparently, this is what we thought was super hilarious back in 2001. I guess. That's weird. When the big orc, Aragorn, finally comes to Boromir's aid and fights the mm-hmm. big one. Like, that's a mm-hmm. good fight scene. <laughs> good fight scene. <laughs> when he chops his arm off, and then Aragorn, like, shoves the sword in him. And then the Orkai like pulls the sword and pushes it farther uh, in, and his head kind of affecting. Yeah, and his head kind of just like, "What are you gonna do now?" <laughs> that was, Chops off his own head. Yeah. So is that also when you added another year to when you were gonna show it to your kids? Right around that scene. <laughs> uh, right, I guess we're gonna attack on. Uh, yeah, I mean we're in the thirties now. Six months. They're, yeah, they're gonna have to wait till they're like thirty something. But Stephen, I learned while looking through the trivia section and some behind the scenes thing. That Vigo's sword skills were like almost prodigy level. What? Apparently, like the sword master guy on this said he was the best, 
you know, sword expert he had ever trained as an actor. Like he went from no sword experience to being like good with a sword. Wow. Apparently he carried a sword all, you know, with him all the time too for like staying in character and stuff. But that is something that you that comes through through the screen is like I watch Aragorn fight with a sword and I go, "Yeah, you are very good." <laughs> That's pretty amazing. I did not know yeah. that. And it does feel like he's really good. Yes. Like the when the orc guy like throws like a, a like star or whatever at him and he hits it away with the sword, I'm like, "Oh yes. man, he's like amazing. He's a Jedi." Yeah. Very good. Well, we talked about the ending already and how it's a little weird and unsatisfying, but that's it. That's the end of this movie. And so we have to rate it now. Man, I feel like again, we could talk about this for forever, but yes, we do have to rate it. Let us rate it. On a scale of zero to five Balrogs. Hmm, just a small object we find in this movie. <laughs> uh, honestly, I wanted... To, not rings, not no, fellowship No, that's members. two on the nose. That's two on the nose. I did want to do... It comes in points. I wanted to do that little uh, glass ball. What is it, the philandrial? Or the... Uh, what, what's the <laughs> thing that... Uh, I'm glad how you use the pronunciation of Galadriel. <laughs> well, I, I think it's similar. Listen, the two bad guys are Saruman and Sauron. I don't think J.R.R. Token no. is is uh, too good to get names very similar. I think the horse's name is like Bill. Yes, that is Bill. <laughs> and I like that scene when they say goodbye, Bill. <laughs> oh, the Palantir. See, it's basically like the same thing. Yeah, Palantir. Yep. I had Galadriel, no idea what it was called. The Palantir, because later uh, one of the Merrier Pippins look into it, and Sauron like looks into his soul or something. Wait, so are we? Uh, we what are we rating it by? So we'll, we won't do the Balrog since you called me out on that. We're gonna do zero to five Palantirs. Okay. In honor of J.R.R. Tolkien's making up an entire language yes. for these books, Elvish. Ah, who goes first? I'll go first. All right, go ahead and go first, because I really have no idea what I'm going to rate it. Okay. I am going to give The Fellowship of the Ring. I'm going to... I can't believe... Am I going to do this? I think I'm going to give this movie three and a half. Palantirs. It, as an adult, this movie is very long. This movie is groundbreaking. In many right. ways. Right. But I'm not going to rate it. I'm not going to give it bonus points for being groundbreaking or being like an absolutely phenomenal yeah. world building. I think if you were to tell me rate this three movie series altogether, if this, if you call this chapter one, it is a perfectly great chapter one of a story. As a standalone movie, though, I can't give it that high. It has some like weird slow parts it has some amazing suspenseful parts it introduces us to characters that i don't care about them that much yet but i will and i know that i will because i've seen all these movies but for now it does a lot of i think what happens is this because these movies were filmed back to back to back and then released every other year between 2001 2000 well they were released 2001, 2002, 2003. Yeah. I think they gave a lot of time and a lot of weight to moments that they hadn't earned yet. Mm-hmm. Frodo being stabbed with the Nazgul knife, then like being okay in Rivendell and having that slow motion reuniting with Merry and Pippin. <laughs> yes, yes. It's like they had known the whole story and they know like this is going to be important, but it's not yet. And as the like and as the viewer, I'm not yet caring about 
Boromir's death as much as I will once I see his brother and his dad in later movies. You know? Right, right. And later, like, Sam's, him accidentally drowning himself is not as impactful as later Samwise Gamgee being awesome. Right. So, I think three and a half for this one. It is pretty long. But not even the longest one. <laughs> it's not even, like, the action's okay, but it is nothing compared to the next two when it comes to action right. scenes. So oh, right. a good starter. It is not a four, a rated four standalone movie. And that's what I'm rating it as standalone. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Before you said it, I was going to do three and a half. I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I think I'm going to agree with you on this three and a half yep. Palantirs. It is a good movie. I enjoyed rewatching it. I will rewatch it again someday, probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe with my kids when they're 40. Mm-hmm. But I, I, there's still moments that are really good. Like, I want to see the You Shall Not Pass again. Yep. And I like hearing the lines, and I like seeing the characters. Council of Elrond, still good. I will say, if I'm like, I'm going to watch one Lord of the Rings movie, I usually pick the Two Towers. Sure. I'm just saying, just saying. Yep. But you don't have a Two Towers without a Fellowship of the Ring. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got to have it. Exactly. You got to lay the groundwork. You got to lay the groundwork. And I enjoyed it. It's always interesting. Have you ever, like in the past five to seven years, introduced someone to Lord of the Rings and they had never seen it before? No. I don't surround myself with people who've never seen it. (laughs) So listener of this podcast, Jessica, we introduced it to her recently. And I think I'm going to have to get her like official opinion, but I think observing her watching it is long. (laughs) It's a long movie. It is like hard to understand everything on first viewing Mm -hmm. because they're like you, they tell you, they give you the story. I mean, they're telling it to you, but there's so much that like seeing the later movies helps you understand the first one too. Mm -hmm. So it, it is hard to like, if you've never seen it and you're, you know, 20 or 30 something, it's hard to get into it. Just saying. Right. And this genre has been reworked and redone a lot since then. It cannot be overstated how this was a new type of movie. We had not seen this type of right. Would you can? It's it's not high fantasy. Is it low fantasy? I mean, Star Wars was the closest thing I would think. Right, and even that was like I had never had had there been a super popular like. Elves and gnomes and giants. Oh, no. And like, no, no, no. Like that sort of fantasy world no. was like, that was off to the side, off the grid, like super, super nerdy people only knew about it. And this brought all of that into main, main culture. Right. Main pop culture. And that is like, we're living in a post Lord of the Rings world. Yeah. Where like people happen to know what goblins are and what like <laughs> elves are. Yeah. But before yeah. this, we didn't have much of that. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. All right, listeners. Well, tell us what you think of the Lord of the Rings, colon, the fellowship of the ring. Comment on our Instagram at movies on the side. That's the best place to get us. Also, you can subscribe to our Patreon podcast. If you support the show with any amount, we get bonus episodes every week. And this week we talked about, basketball we talked about college basketball yeah and i don't know anything about it but (laughs) we we did and then we talked about other things that were interesting that's not a good (laughs) marketing ploy for the bonus episodes but it was really good and you should check it out at patreon.com slash movies on the side and if you haven't yet we would greatly appreciate a five-star rating 
and review in Apple Podcasts. It'll help us out, and we thank you for it. As we always say, If by my life or death I can protect you, I will. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. You carry the fate of us all, little one. If this is indeed the will of the council, then Gondor will see it done. Mm. Fly, you fools!